Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads, generally, for most people, are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Okay, right, let's just sort some stuff out before we get into this week's episode of Ups and Downs. You can choose to be one of two wrestling fans. First of all, you can be this guy. You see his face? Look how mad and angry he is. I hate everything. I watch wrestling just so I can moan about it. You can be that guy, and that's perfectly fine. Or you can be this. You see? Look, the smiley octopus, and you go, Hello, smiley octopus. What do you love? And he goes, Everything. And he is just a happier person. I cannot believe... This was the intro to Ups and Downs this week. But look, I've done over a thousand of these and I'm running out of ideas. Let's up those downs. this was a fun start to Raw, because as Damage Control was making their way to the ring, Becky Lynch must have gone, (laughs) last week, these guys really pissed me off, so I'm going to teleport in from nowhere, and I'm going to kick their ass. She did this, of course, so that she would nullify Dakota Kai and Io Sky, because it was time for Bayley taking Alexa Bliss, and the winner of this was going to become the number one contender for Bianca Belair's Raw Women's Championship. So who came out and decided to watch from afar? Obviously, it was Bianca Belair. Bailey is a smart cookie, though, because she's been doing this for a while, so she pushed Bliss into Rita the Ring Post, which kind of knocked her silly. Although Alexa was still able to fight back with this Hurricane Rana off the ropes. I hope she's okay, because she kind of landed all squibbly-wibbly. She was still able to recover and hit a sent-off off the apron, as well as a DDT, and I have decided that we should name the DDT here on Ups and Downs. I know it has a real name, but I don't care about that. So from now on, it is going to be known as the Devastating Disaster... Turtle. Bailey was then hurled into the turnbuckle before she too was able to come back with a Bailey to belly, but that only got two, so no wonder she changed her finishing move. When she just strolled back over to the ropes and started to take off one of the turnbuckle pads. And nobody seemed to care about this until Bianca Belair finally went, uh, excuse me, and snitched her out. And what did this do? It created a distraction, which meant Alexa Bliss was able to hit the Twisted Bliss. She got the one, two, three, and she is now the number one contender. And there's no two ways about it. We done Bailey versus Bianca Belair. So this was the right way to go. I do have to be honest with you, though. This was a terrible finish because when you are trying to build up a brand new contender, you don't want them to win by a fluke. In this case, a distraction. And if you want a spoiler for the rest of this week's episode, holy crap, are there a lot of these. We did carry on the teasing, though, because straight after this, Bianca looked at Alexa, and Alexa looked at Bianca, and even though you thought they were going to do a dance or something because they're friends, instead, Bray Wyatt's logo flashed on the screen, and all of a sudden, Bliss decided she was going to hit Bianca Belair with the sister Abigail. Now, as we have learned, these kind of effects only last a few seconds, because then she snapped out of it and went, see you, pal, and she went home. So there is a lot to unpack here, because I enjoyed the majority 
of this match. I did enjoy all the after effects because look, let's have some fun with the Alexa Bliss character. So I am going to give it an up. But yeah, once again, that finish. If you're crowning a brand new number one contender, let's make them look like a badass. Got to give it a down. Also bring it back. There it is, the distraction counter. It keeps on moving up. Alpha Academy with them backstage. And they are still mad that Kurt Angle sprayed them with milk on SmackDown. That's never going to sound that good. Amazingly, the OC then walked in laughing about something. And as Chad Gable then found out, they were quite literally laughing at the clip of Kurt Angle spraying them with milk. What even more stupid about this is AJ Styles said, oh, Carl Anderson sent us this from Japan. So nobody in the OC watches the show. They just go on social media like the rest of us. Gable then said AJ was a fossil much like Kurt Angle, so they should have a match in around about two minutes. I've got no problem with that. Both of these guys are great. And we got it. Oh, thank goodness for that. Once again, it was Rita the Ring Post who was the turning point here because Chad Gable just went foop and pushed AJ Styles into it. Although when we came back from the commercial break, the phenomenal one was just in control. So I'm going to assume that during the commercial, he just shouted milk at Chad Gable, who started freaking out as he had to think about Kurt Angle's white stuff. It happened again. Gable is so damn good, he was able to hit three German suplexes. Dust is good when AJ Styles was able to wiggle out of a fourth one. <laughs> but then Gable did it anyway, and I tell you, I loved it. They were then reversing ankle locks into calf crushes and calf crushes into ankle locks when Gable got back out and smashed out another Northern Lights suplex. And then we got the ending and WWE needs to do more of this. Because they just started rocking each other when eventually AJ was like, wait a minute, I know what I can do. I have one more move in my pocket. He hit the Styles Clash and he got the one, two, three. Now I get this feels a little bit anticlimactic, but that's because WWE does so many distractions. We're now sat there conditioned to the fact, oh, I bet we're about to get one. We just have to reteach the audience that a match can end any time if you do use your big maneuver. Also, as a quick aside, if we could give Chad Gable a win some point soon, that would be good. This was fun. Johnny uh, Gargano, Dexter, Lewis, and Candice were then trying to figure out what they should do with their big bag of cash, but they couldn't figure it out because, according to Candice, we've already got everything we need. I had to change the channel because I thought I was watching a Hallmark Christmas movie. Gargano still had a plan, and I was like, listen, I know what you can do. Just become Batman. If you do actually have unlimited finances, go out there and be the Dark Knight. We went right from this to the Street Profits and Tazawa, as Kathy Kelly said, hey, Street Profits, why did you help Tazawa last week? Which, when you break it down, is quite a mean question. The reason, however, is that Tazawa is Tazawa, which fried my brain because it doesn't make any sense, and then they made a lot of noise and drank from their red solo cups. This was really, really weird. It also meant it was time for these three versus the Judgment Day, and I've said it once, I've said it twice, I'll say it 72,896 times. The Judgment Day are just the best. Now, a small part of me does feel like this could have been a little bit shorter, because the major problem with this week's episode of Raw is everything felt so stretched out, but I still think they went out there and did a pretty damn good job. Naturally, it was Tazawa who got whooped for a long time here, although at least he's moved on from being a ninja. And even though eventually he got the tag to Montez Ford, Damien Priest then grabbed that guy and threw him into Alan the announce table like, nope, you ain't gonna do it. Throughout all that too, he was unable to make the tag to Angelo Dawkins, but the referee was terrible at their job and they weren't able to see it. And then a few seconds he tagged in Dawkins anyway. You can just see how much Angelo has been working though, because he is so much better than he was. And he would have won this damn thing after he hit Finn Balor with the silencer if it wasn't for those damn meddling kids. Although in this case, that was Dominic Mysterio. Because I was then back to get rid of Dommy Boy as Damien Priest went all crazy on the Street Profits throwing them around before Tazawa was back to do a big old dive. 2022 wrestling. It actually looked like Tazawa was going to get the win too and I would have just freaked out with that before, of course, we got a distraction. 
naturally. Now look, it's not as bad in a six-man tag, because obviously that's the whole point of the thing. Somebody could have a man advantage, depending how it does go. So Damo slipped in the ring, he hit the razor's edge. That's when Dominic was like, ha ha, easy pickings, and he got the pin. So this was enjoyable, it makes sense that Judgment Day would get the ring. And also, we allowed Damien Priest to run wild here, and he looked pretty damn good. So we'll keep an eye on that. Up. It then turned out that we are still carrying on this storyline with The Miz, Johnny Gargano and Dexter Loomis. Seems a little bit strange. I think we'd already hit the peak. But the good guys had decided to use their cash to buy merchandise for the fans, which was a nice gesture. So as Christmas jingly jangly music played, they went around and gave presents to everybody who was there. Only problem was, this went longer than some matches on Raw. Because eventually The Miz did teleport in and he started to attack everyone before they got into this massive back and forth with Adam Pearce. And ultimately, because The Miz wants to win his finances back, he asked for another match with Dexter Loomis when Johnny Gargano said, well, how about we do double or nothing next week in a ladder match? And the reason it is double or nothing is because if Dexter is going to put up his stolen cash, The Miz is going to have to put up more of his. This then broke down into the whole, I don't have any more money because Maurice controls my finances. What am I going to do? Which begs the question, why would The Miz want to do this anyway? He actually admitted that his family is rich. He still wants a few more notes. I actually think this could have been all right. And if you want to do one more match, that is fine. But it just went on so damn long. And after about 10 minutes, I was ready for something else. I'd also just like to see Johnny Gargano in a different feud. He's got to get it down. And then Io Sky beat Candice LeRae. Huh. Now, I do get this on paper, because, of course, recently, LeRae was able to beat Dakota Kai, who was EO Sky's tag team partner. But there is the magic word. What in the flubbins has happened to those women's tag team titles? They've escaped off into the abyss again. They really did go at it, though, because Sky hit this top rope code breaker, and on the outside, Candice LeRae hit a poison rana, before EO Sky came back with da, 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 a German suplex. The gates. But again, though, we did have a really good ending here, because Candice was just murdered with one move, and because that didn't work... Eo Stry dragged her ass over to the turnbuckle and she hit the moonsault and that was enough for the one, two, three. So again, sometimes you just have to keep it simple. And while this was a little bit flat, because again, there's no real heat here, I'm going to give it an up. Thought people worked hard. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, everyone. I've been on the go recently. Phoenix, Kansas City, Chicago. If you're like me and have a home but aren't always at home, you have an Airbnb. Hosting your home or a spare room is a very practical side hustle. If you live in a big game town, you can Airbnb your place for fans to stay in. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. Before we go any further, though, this podcast is brought to you by Rocket Money. Do you ever feel like money is just flying out of your account and you've got no idea where it's going? Well, it's all those subscriptions. I mean, think about it. Between streaming services, fitness apps, delivery services, it is endless. I'm guilty of this, so I used Rocket Money to help me find out what subscriptions I'm actually spending money on, and it was more shocking than a wrestling betrayal. You see, Rocket Money is a personal 
personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over $500 million in cancelled subscriptions. So stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash wrestling. That's rocketmoney.com slash wrestling. Rocketmoney.com slash wrestling. We then got reminded that Riddle is going to be off TV for a while. And if you do read the rumor mill, apparently he's been sent to drug rehab by WWE. So I hope he's doing okay when we're in the presence of the one and only Kevin Owens. This was amazing too, because as he was mid-chat, Elias walked up to him and asked him for help later as KO just melted down saying, do you not remember what you did to me earlier in the year? You sent me absolutely loopy, so no, I'm not gonna help you. He also referenced the fact that the last time Elias and himself was in the ring, he got smashed with a guitar. And when Elias tried to justify this by saying, well, you did that to Ezekiel, Owens went absolutely crazy going, but you told me you two were different people. This actually brought joy to my heart. I could feel it. Elias totally no-sold this too and once again asked Kevin for help. So Owens just stormed off. Honestly, this is the type of wrestling I want in my life. Anytime I mention that on Twitter, people go, Simon, you're all that is wrong with the world. Yeah, I totally get that. My parents have been telling me that for 30 years, but I don't care. To the point, I am giving it up. That's right. This did go right into the Elias segment, which was a constant dedicated to his fallen friend. And of course, we had drug jokes here. Elias pulled out some paper that looked like he was going to smoke a joint. But instead, it was just a bunch of lyrics that apparently Matt Riddle had written for him. Although I doubt that because every single line was basically, isn't Elias just the best? It eventually turned out that it was going to be the Drifter taking on Sola Sokoa. And look, here's the deal. I get that you want to have competitive matches on Raw because once again, we have to fill three hours. But Sola has been such a badass ever since he was called up from NXT. And that momentum hasn't died off yet. I would have done like a two minute thing here and just had him go crazy. Interestingly enough too, it kind of took a distraction from Sami Zayn here, even though he didn't do much as anything. But because Elias is a professional wrestler, he cannot handle anything going on outside of the ring before he goes, oh, I don't know what I'm doing. So he turned around, he got hit with his spinning solo, one, two, three. He carried on the assault afterwards because that's what he does. And he used the Samoan spike again, which I'm a big fan of, let's keep that. And just when he was about to do that running hip attack with a chair on Elias's face, of course out came Kevin Owens. He smashed Solis to come with a stunner. And then when Elias was like, oh, Kevin, thank you so much, he stunned him too. Kevin Owens never forgets. Sami Zayn also made sure to drag Solar out of here because he wanted to get back in the ring, so I appreciated that wrinkle. So all of this was just fun. I mean, it didn't mean much of anything, but I certainly felt sports entertained giving it up. Then I had all these pictures of the Miz dressed like an elf giving out some presents, and I was like, well, why the, how the hell did they convince him to do that? It doesn't make any sense, but thankfully I was able to forget about that right away, because it was time for Oscar versus Rhea Ripley again. All right. Something is definitely brewing though with Oscar, and she's been teasing this on social media, because she came out here, and not only was she more serious, not only was she more aggressive, but she's not wearing face paint anymore. And if you're aware of her career pre-WWE, kind of feels like we may be doing some of that. She also used Rita the Ring post on Rhea Ripley, who was having a worse night than Barry Barricade at the Ring of Honor pay-per-view, when she also did a code breaker into the ring apron. Hang on. Why have you done this to me, world? Why? Please tell me how it can be possible that the ring apron is the hardest part of the ring. 
was me! It was me, the wizard in the sky! I'm the person that went hullabaloo! And I made the ring apron the hardest part of the ring! And no, every time I appear on this show, people in the comments go, it's Gandalf! It's Gandalf! It's not Gandalf! What a Gandalf ever do for anyone? Oh, Frodo, let's go throw a ring into some lava. That didn't change the world. I was able to see a squared circle, a warrior's playground, and ensure even though there are still posts on the side, the ring apron is harder than all of that. Hello, I am the wizard in the sky, and I am the greatest thing in all professional wrestling. Every time Ripley found some momentum too, Oscar just cut her off, especially by booting her right in the face. And even when Rhea was like, oh yeah, is that all you've got, Empress of Tomorrow? Let's see what else is in the tank. Oscar just went, all right, poof, and punched her. It was so bad it sent Rhea Ripley to the outside where of course Dominic checked on his mammy because he is the pappy. And Oscar was great once again here because she pretended that she was going to kick Dominic who freaked out so much, he fell on his ass anyway. And then Rhea was like, why don't you leave him alone? Everybody here is brilliant. It was a huge mistake though, because it basically was a distraction tactic. So Rhea from nowhere just shoved Oscar right into the ring apron. But when she was going to hit the riptide, Oscar kind of wibbly wobblied and she reversed it into the Oscar lock. Of course, this is when Dom jumped on the ring apron like, please leave my would-be girlfriend alone. So Oscar went right up to him and went and did the miss right into his face. But of course, this was a mistake because Rhea then pushed Oscar into Dommy Boy, which I thought was good. She hit the riptide, one, two, three. But she didn't celebrate because everyone was so concerned about Dominic's eyes, they kind of just stormed to the back. All of this was absolutely brilliant. Let's keep doing it, giving it an up. With that said though, it was another distraction. I've already mentioned it a few times through this video. Sometimes it just gets a little bit boring, especially in a creative world where you could have done anything here. A goat could have appeared and gone, meh, I want... <laughs> you know what? I've done that joke before. We're not, we're not doing it again. Put up the distraction counter by one, and also we're giving it a down. We then got even more silliness because we were in the back with Dominic, who was all like, my eyes, my eyes, and Rhea Ripley and Finn Balor were freaking out, and Finn was just shouting, go to your happy place. When Damien Priest was all like, look, man, it could be a lot worse. Something else could be burning, and he was talking about his penis. Ripley scolded Damien for that, though, because she was worried about her friend. And honestly, these guys... The unexpectedly best act of 2022. Dolph Ziggler was then talking to us about the US Championship because of course he wants it and he hates Austin Theory and understands how good Seth Rollins and Bobby Lashley were. It was time for our main event, the number one contendership for that there title, Seth versus Bob. And it was good because of course it was good. And at one point we saw Austin Theory watching this from the back and he was standing in front of the TV at a normal angle. And as we have learned over the years, when you're allowed to do that, you're in line for a pretty big push. This Seth Rollins too, man. In the early going, Bobby Lashley just grabbed him and threw him over Barry Barricade. And while we couldn't see it properly, it absolutely looked like Seth had just landed on his head. He soon fought back and was even able to hit a falcon arrow onto Bobby Lashley, which was pretty damn cool. And when Bob went for the spear, instead he got hit by a super kick, he got bit of the frog splash, and Rollins got the two. We then got more referee shenanigans though, because when Bobby Lashley was able to apply the hurt lock, and he was just swinging Seth Rollins around, the referee had to bail so he wouldn't get hit. But when he landed on the floor, he's like, oh, my leg, my leg. And I was like, bro, you barely touched that. During all this, though, Bobby Lashley was able to hit the spear. And even though he had Seth Rollins beat, the delay by the official meant that Rollins was able to kick out. So Bobby was super pissed. This all then tied into last week when Lashley got all mad at WWE personnel because he went for another spear. Rollins was able to turn it into a pedigree. And I always enjoyed that spot. And it also meant Bobby Lashley was dead. 
Seth Rollins is your new number one contender. We're still treating last year as a monster, though. He basically popped up right after this. And he started going crazy at one referee. He pushed another referee down. When Adam Pearce appeared, it was like, Bobby, would you please stop? I've already told you about this. So Lashley pushed him into Barry Barricade. Adam Pearce then pretended he said, Mother Hubbard. And he fired Bobby Lashley. So he is definitely going to be signed by AEW. And there is a massive plot hole here, I grant you that. Because we have seen wrestlers do 10 times worse than this, even on NXT recently. And they don't get sacked. But I presume that is going to tie into Bobby Lashley's beef. Maybe, just maybe, he returns as part of a hurt business. Gonna keep everything cross. I did think this was a nice end to Raw though, because it set up loads of things, including Seth Rollins versus Austin Theory, and I bet that Dolph Ziggler gets involved with that too. I am gonna give it up. I do have to say though, as we've already mentioned, there was a lot of filler on this week's episode of Raw. Like when you take it match by match or segment by segment, which we do do on ups and downs, it doesn't feel that bad. But actually, when you sat through the 180 minutes, there were some points when I was like, please, for the love of everything, would you speed up? Because of that you got to give it a doubt. Still, though, it was certainly a harmless show, and it would have been really good if it had just been two hours. I don't like sticking to this point for too long. It's been this way for over a decade. You may as well just accept it. So I'm going to give it an up, mainly because I love Kevin Owens.